Well, it turns out I had received a text from Jerry Clark uh, this morning. I didn't hear it come in, nor the other text that I'd received. Um, <clears throat> and Jerry reports that he overdid it yesterday. Um, I assume he'll recover fine, but uh, please keep Jerry in your prayers, and um, um, may he be blessed even though he is not with us today. <clears throat> And by the way, I was very conscientious about my voice, and I tried to be good all week long, and I did pretty good. And there were times that I could tell my voice, and actually through much of the week, my voice was a little rough. It's kind of strange that yesterday was the real, really the first real break I had from using my voice a lot. And it's strange then today that after a good night's rest, and the first good night's rest in quite a while, my voice is worse than it had been all week, so I'm really surprised uh, with the roughness of the voice this morning. I hope it will not be a distraction to us and that we'll be able to uh, learn from God's Word uh, what we need uh, to learn. The question today originates from J James chapter 5, verse 16, and it's a very common question and a very interesting one in the context that's there. It's all very interesting uh, but before we turn to that passage that is about confession, first I want to I want for us to understand confession and learn a little bit of confession. And Psalm 32 is just a really wonderful passage in the first section of of Scripture, basically the first half of that that Psalm. Um, so, will you, if you will, please turn to Psalm 32 first, and it's and follow along on the outline. It's a very basic outline today, so I'll try not to wander off too much, especially in view that if I wander too much today, we won't get to the end. If we don't get to the end, I won't answer the question. If I don't answer the question, I'm in trouble, right? At least with one person who submitted this question, I'll be in some serious trouble. And I do not want to be in trouble with with my dear sister, right? So... Um, Psalm 32, verses 1 through 5. Let me just go ahead and read through that. <clears throat> Follow along with me. Blessed, and by the way, this was, this was a great follow-up lesson, especially in considering this psalm, the idea of blessing. Blessed is one. So goodness comes, and it's, we know this is from God. That's where the, all blessings originate from, is Blessings, blessings. So, um, so anyhow, blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, oh, thank you, Jim. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. So here we are, Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. Basically it's saying, Blessed are the forgiven. In this repetitive way that the Psalms and Proverbs often do, it's, 
It says it one way and then restates it in another. But it's blessed are the forgiven. How good it is to be blessed. And we'll see if this drink of water provides a little little help for my voice. I don't know. It'll help some, I'm sure. Very simple. It's blessed to be forgiven. We know that the blessings come from God. If we're not forgiven of God, then we're not on God's side. The relationship, there's difficulty there. There's something between us and God. That's the plight of man. That's why sin is so bad. It harms the relationship that we have with the Father. If we are out of relationship with the Father, those blessings from Him are hindered. Relationship, it's with the relationship with God that we have have blessings. So forgiveness is key to being blessed, to being in the right relationship with God. Verses 3 and 4, uh, you don't see the word miserable in there. Uh, if, uh, if you, you see it hinted at, though, in what's mentioned there. And the thought of when I kept silent, you see from the context the idea of when I kept silent, and that's a, the NIV does the proper thought there, even though the word when is, uh, is just simply hinted at. So I kept silent. When we keep silent, that is to not confess, to not voice our sins. So keeping silent results in bones being wasted away from groaning all day long day and night your hand god's hand heavy upon me my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer in the summer heat this is a good time to be preaching this lesson isn't it we know how much heat can just hurt us and harm us and just be upon us and wear us down and uh, it was so good to come back well you know what it was even before I got home yesterday, the moment I went out to the van and turned on the car and felt that, that cool air just hit me in the face after the, a week long of heat, heat, heat. With just a little bit, every once in a while, a little bit of air conditioning, not much, but getting in that car and feeling the air, the cool air hit me in the face. What a relief it was, and it just reminds us of how much that heat just wears us down. But what relief it is then to have the coolness upon us. So when you're in the heat, without the relief, it's misery. It's difficult. It tears at a person. It weighs heavy upon us. So this is how I uh, summarize these two verses. Miserable are the unforgiven. When we keep silent and we are not confessing to be forgiven, then we are miserable in that unforgiveness. Oftentimes, uh, you know, and the other thought that comes to me with this idea of God's hand heavy upon us day and night, especially it's that, that nighttime, and I think we lay our head down on our pillow, and if we are not right with God, we feel that upon us. Um, a lot of times we, we think at night, and, and sometimes if we're not right with God, it's difficult to even sleep. So that heaviness upon us, your hand heavy upon me, it's, uh, that is, uh, it's misery when we're unforgiven. When we're not right with God, 
Um, it's difficult. Life is difficult anyhow. And when we're not right with God, life can be miserable. It was stated just last Sunday in our class that, you know, I just don't understand. Uh, one fine member of the congregation here said, I just don't understand how people who don't have God, how do they get through life? Life is tough. We know that God's the one who gets us through it. We rely upon God through every difficult time. That was spoken of at the table today. So what do people do without God? Life can be miserable. Life can be difficult. So these first two statements are, you know, just they're the, they work together and they work in, in opposite ways. But blessed are the forgiven and miserable are the unforgiven. So we want to be forgiven. We want to be in a right relationship with God. We want to be blessed by him. And we realize that when we're not, it is difficult. So verse 5 then says, here's the idea of reconciliation. Getting that relationship right. When we sin, we harm the relationship with we, that we have with God. But verse number 5 goes into the idea of being reconciled to God, being made right, being able to get back in that state of blessedness. So to be reconciled to God, number one, acknowledge your sin to God. That's verse number five starts, Then I acknowledge my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. Acknowledge your sin to God. Acknowledge it. It's just this, it's really that part is just getting to this mental thing that is so hard. You think about non-Christians or maybe when you, before you became a Christian, just even acknowledging your sin to God sometimes is just a difficult thing to do. So acknowledge your sin to God. And number two, quit trying to cover it up. Uh, I, then I acknowledge my sin to you and did not cover my iniquity. Quit trying to cover. I did not cover it. And isn't it funny that we actually try to cover our sins? You know, it's just anybody who commits a, a crime, what do they do? They try to cover their tracks. You know, they try and cover it up. They try and cover up the evidence. They do everything they can do to try and cover it up. They, but, they, but they can't erase the guilt. They're still guilty, right? They're just trying to keep from getting caught. So number one, acknowledge your sin to God. So just fess up to it and quit trying to cover it up. I want to talk a little bit about trying to cover it up because part of the the idea of confession is is that that we go through this process of trying to cover it up and who do we try to cover it up from well let's consider that quit trying to cover it up so don't try and hide it from yourself you know part of the idea of covering that sin is that we just we try and cover it up and Hide it from ourselves. You know, when you find yourself rationalizing something, that's you trying to cover your sin, trying to cover what you have done wrong. Don't try and hide it from yourself. That's denial. You know, nobody wants to be in the state of denial. You know, you're in denial. You know, and, and um, 
it's you don't hide things from yourself. Don't try to hide things from yourself. We're really good at it. A lot of times we're we're trying to hide things from ourselves, and maybe we're thinking we're pretty good at it, and maybe we're trying to hide it from others, and and they see through it anyhow. We just don't try and hide things. Don't try and fool yourself. That's it's denial. It's not good. We ought not to do it. Don't rationalize. Just fess up. Tell God that you know you got that. Acknowledging it to God, also acknowledge it to self. Confess. Don't cover it up. Um, number two, we also try to hide our sins from God. Don't try and hide it from God. That's impossible. You know, uh, Cain and Abel, that was a topic at, at camp this week for one of the classes, or a few of them perhaps. But, uh, you know, Cain was warned, don't do this. God comes to him, I know what's in your heart. And Cain goes on and does it. You know, and um, takes, you know, it's, it, he goes out into the field to do the deed of killing his brother Abel. And it's, it's like, you know, did he think by going out in the field he was going to be able to hide this from God? You know, that's impossible. We cannot do it. We can't hide, you know, it's, we're, you know sometimes I think maybe we, we think we can hide something from God. God doesn't know. Well, we, we act like it that, at times, don't we? And the way we carry on with our lives, we just go on and we sin and do things that we just think God's not even aware of it. And we pretend like we're not even aware of it. It just doesn't work that way. Don't try and hide it from yourself. That's denial. Don't try to hide it from God. That is impossible. He knows all things, sees all things, sees into the very very depths of our heart. He knows our every thought. And lastly, don't try to hide it from others. Don't try, if you've sinned against somebody else, don't try and cover it up. Um, You know, I... That idea of covering up is trying to hide it, trying to make it not come to light. Um, I guess as I, that's just foolish pride. You know, we're trying to save ourselves. When we when we sin, we just need to acknowledge, man, I messed up. You're always better off fessing up, owning up to the sin, saying I've failed and I've done wrong. Um, to try and hide it, that's just the pride of man that is coming through. That's our pride saying, I want to look better than I actually am. I don't want anybody to know I've done wrong. I don't want to go through the difficult thing, even if it has not come to light yet that I've sinned against somebody. I don't even want to go through the difficult part of fessing up to it. I just, I just, I just want to look good. I, I don't want to go through the work of reconciliation. Don't try and cover it up. Don't try and hide it from yourself, from God, from others. Deal with the sin. Dealing with sin is a messy thing, and we're, we're that's what we're reminded of at the table every Sunday. Jesus, that is, I mean. It's, we're recognizing a, a, a body that was hung upon a cross. We're recognizing blood. We're recognizing a man's life. We're recognizing a murder of an innocent 
innocent, innocent. You can't say it enough times. He was so innocent, completely, utterly innocent of any wrongdoing. And he died. It's a messy thing. The, the, um, the atonement for sin is a messy thing. Trying to fix and reconcile, it is a messy, difficult thing. But don't, but you got to go through it. Don't just have pride or, um, you could almost add, don't be a wimp. <laughs> Step up. Don't try and cover it up. Own up to it. Don't cover it up. Address the sin. Fix it. Reconciliation is worth it. And, and, and probably, you know, this is, you can think too about, this is probably why so many marriages end with divorce. It's, we, we don't want to do the hard part of reconciliation, of fixing things. We would rather try and hide it. You know, don't hide it. Don't try and hide it from self, from God. Don't try and hide it from others. Own up to it. Get it fixed. Reconciliation. All right, so so here is the, you know, we've, back to the main thoughts then. The blessed are the forgiven. Um, the miserable are the unforgiven. And so to be reconciled to God, to be forgiven, number one, acknowledge your sin to God. Number two, quit trying to cover it up. And then number three, confess your sin to the Lord and he will forgive you. It's the last part of verse number five. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. So there is the thought from Psalms. The very basic thought is that if you can fix your, rec- your relationship with God, you will be blessed to be, able to, forget for, to be able to get that forgiveness of God. You've got to own up to God to be forgiven. You have to confess. Um, so, if Psalm 32 is instructing us or instructs us to confess our sins to God, to be forgiven, and therefore to be in a blessed relationship with Him, then as we turn to James 5.16, why does James 5.16 instruct us to confess our sins to one another? And here are some possibilities. So um, go to James chapter 5, verse 16. We're going to read this again. It was read a little while ago in our hearing. James 5.16 Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So here is... Here's James 5.16 talking about confessing our sins to each other. Psalm 32 was primarily about us confessing our sins to God. We also did get a hint in there of confessing our sins to each other, not hiding our sins from each other. So here is what we're talking about with James. In James chapter 5, verse 16, I'm going to narrow it down just to two simple, two very simple possibilities. Okay, so, and in a context, it's the idea of healing. It's the idea of overcoming 
a sickness. And if you put it in the standpoint of a spiritual sickness, then we, we, can, uh, we can make sense of this verse in the terms of someone who is spiritually sick, kind of struggling with a sin. So when a Christian is struggling with a particular sin and needs, insist, needs assistance in prayer from a trusted brother or, or brothers or sisters in Christ... This is what we think of as an accountability partner. You might hear somebody use that term. But this is, man, I'm struggling with somebody. I'm struggling, excuse me, with some sin. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I can't overcome a sin. The sin keeps getting me down. I don't like it. And I want to overcome it for the glory of God. So you just go to somebody and find somebody to pray with. This is a very important concept that, that we need to follow and think about and do. When a Christian is struggling, we're going to talk to somebody about it and pray about it. So if you ever, and I say if you ever, um, when you find yourself struggling, when you find yourself that you feel like you're getting owned by a sin, Find someone you trust. Brothers, find a, 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 a brother in Christ that you trust and you can go to and, and sit down with and say, I've got something that's getting me. This is what church family is supposed to be, is that we're honest and helpful to one another. We're going to encourage one another. And if there's, if there's not somebody in the congregation you can think of that you trust, that you could... You could you could respect enough spiritually that you can go to and open up and confess your sins and say, let's, I want some help on this one. You know, if there's, if there's not that person, then, then we're not really being who we need to be as a church. This is a family that we're in it together and we're to be encouraging one another. If there's a sister in the congregation, you're struggling with something that's the same, it's the same concept. When I say a trusted brother, this is a, a brother or sister in Christ. So sisters, you find a sister that's, a, that's someone you trust and respect. Somebody that you know has wisdom, that is prayerful. And you know, that's the, the idea of the, the prayer of a righteous man. So a righteous brother, a sister, and somebody in Christ. That's, that's power. There's power there. It's powerful and effective. So find somebody to pray with. And the, the added benefit of this is that there shouldn't be any person that you would go to and pray with and say, pray with me about this. There shouldn't be any brother or sister in Christ who's then going to pray with you once and then just say, all right, well, um, yeah, if you need me again, um, I'll be around or whatever. You know, they're going to fall through with you. This is what we do. We help each other. We love one another, and we're going to continue to lift each other up. It's going to be a partner that you're going to share Share that important information with and, and uh, just continue to pray for each other. Number two, the other scenario that's a very basic scenario and contains a little bit in it, is that if a, when a Christian has sinned against brethren, if you've sinned against a brother or a sister or if you've sinned against multiple people and you need from forgiveness of those offended. So that's, that's when you're going to confess to one another. 
So confession to one another, number one, it's if you're struggling with something, you're saying, hey, I confess my sin and I need some help, pray with me. Number two, the other possibility that we have here is I, I come to you and I, I have sinned against you. You might be aware of it already, you might not. But if I have sinned against you, if I have sinned against a couple of you, then I come to you and I will ask uh, confess my sin to you. That's our concept here. Um, and by the way, you know, and I've gotten parentheses here. One can't be right with God if he's not right with others. And that's the concept that we see here in Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, Jesus said, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you. You remember that... You're, you're there and you remember that you've sinned against your brother. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. So you're there with a gift. You're trying to get right with God. You remember that I'm not right with my brother. And I'm trying to get right with God. It doesn't work that way. Before you can get right with God, you've got to get right with your brother or your sister in Christ. If you've sinned against somebody, if there's an offense, you need to go straight to that person. Get right with them if you want to be right with God. Not going to be easy. The work of reconciliation, the work of confessing and asking for forgiveness, that's difficult work. It's difficult for our pride. It's difficult just in terms of relationship. So, but it's what the Lord commands. This is what we must do. And this includes um, confessing to the entire church if a sin has been done in public. So here's that aspect where, well, if I'm confessing um, to a particular person that I've sinned against, well, what if, what if kind of the whole church has been offended? Not because I sinned uh, directly against them, but what if I've gone out and I've done something wrong and other people have done it, and now, excuse me, if I've done something wrong and other people have seen it, I claim to be a Christian, I'm part of the Garrett Street Church of Christ, and I go out and I do something bad, and a lot of people see it, all of a sudden it's not just, well, Eric's a bad person, it's Eric's a bad person, he's part of Garrett Street Church of Christ, my offense, my sin has affected everyone. So it's this concept of as broad as my sin has affected people, that's how broad I need to be with my confession and my asking of forgiveness. So this includes in confessing to the entire church if a sin has been done in public. It's kind of a logical thing, but there is a verse that I think uh, supports this thought. And it's in First Thessalonians, excuse me, 1 Timothy. Um, chapter 5 and verse number 14. And the word that's used here is slander. Um, and, he's, and here Paul is writing, this is concerning widows. He says, so I counsel younger widows to marry, to have children, to manage their homes, and to give the enemy no opportunity for slander. To give the enemy no opportunity for slander. Okay, so we want to live, and this is toward the particular person or instance in this case, but the concept is uh, 
we want to live and follow God's ways in such a in such a way that we don't give an opportunity for the devil to slander us to slander the church. We need to live above and beyond reproach the thought for elders. Be above reproach. We don't want anybody to say anything bad towards us. If somebody can say something out in the out in the world, if somebody can say something bad about me, that reflects upon the whole church. So if I've done something that's brought reproach on the church, the church is being spoken bad about, then I need to confess to everybody affected. So I need to confess to the church. So this concept of confession, it is, you, you, we got to get right with God. That requires confession. And then the James 5.16 in particular, if I've sinned against a brother, I need to confess to them uh, so that I can get right with them, be reconciled with them. Then I can confess my sin to God and be reconciled with him. They go hand in hand here. That idea of reconciliation. Confession is a part of reconciliation. If we're messing up our relationships, whether it's to God or to others, confess and fix that relationship. Be reconciled to one another. Be reconciled to God. So the challenge that I, I pose to each of us this week is... To practice this often difficult task or action of, of confession. Be reconciled. Get reconciled. Get right with people. And if you're not a Christian, then I encourage you today, confess your sinfulness, just our general sinfulness. There's not a particular sin. It's just that we're sinful. Confess your sinfulness and call on the name of Jesus in baptism. So that you can receive every blessing that heaven has to offer, including forgiveness. Sometimes we look at baptism as, that's when we're forgiven. And I say, amen. But there's so much. But when you're forgiven, that's when you're in a right relationship with God. And every blessing flows to you. Read read Ephesians. Every blessing we have is in Christ Jesus. When you give your life to Jesus in baptism, that's when you, you get blessed in him in every way. So I encourage you, get right with God. Confess your need for him. Confess his wonderful name. Um, say it out loud that you need a Savior in Jesus Christ and receive those wonderful blessings. If there is anybody here that needs to respond in that way, you're welcome to come. And we will help you get right with God, be reconciled to him. If there's anybody who needs to confess a sin that has affected the whole church, then perhaps now is the time that you need to do that difficult thing of coming before the church and saying, I've, uh, I've left an opportunity for the name of Christ to be slandered and for the name of everyone here to be slandered. You need to own up to that. You need to confess it. And if there's anybody who needs to confess today and you want to do it before the whole church and say, I've got a sin I've struggled with, and you want us all praying about it, you're welcome to do that before the entire congregation too. If there's any need that you have today, please don't miss the opportunity to, to come and confess. It's the opportunity now to get right with others and to get right with God. If you wish to confess any need today, please come as we stand and sing.
Jesus is tenderly called.